Jesus Christ is the supreme Savior. This is Pastor Mike Kramer of New Life Church, your home of positive faith, bringing you power for living. Come to the cross and find forgiveness. Get into His Word and you'll find strength for your soul. Tap into the love that God has given and you'll find power for Powerful Living is a positive faith ministry. We believe that a positive attitude in life is an expression of the positive faith which embraces a powerful truth that with God all things are possible. Pastor Mike Kramer is a founder of Powerful Living, senior pastor at New Life Church, and the author of the inspirational book, Power Moments. Tap into the love that God has given And you'll find power for living my friend, today we're going to meet the Supreme Savior. We're going to take a look at what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And that's where Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. And he sort of drew back the curtain and gave them a glimpse of his glory. You know, if you've ever been to a stage play or a musical, you know, they always draw the curtain closed and began to make a new scene behind the scenes. You can kind of hear things shuffling around or whatnot. And then when they draw back the curtain, here comes some beautiful new scene that just captivates you and captures your attention. Well, in essence, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration, that's what he did. He drew back the curtain of his humanity and revealed his deity, and revealed the glory of God to these guys. And we'll read about it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. It says, And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistened. Then, behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things he'd seen. My friend, in this passage of scripture, we really do meet the supreme Savior. You know, in this uh, text, it's also an example. You know, in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 40, when they completed the tabernacle, sort of a makeshift temple that they had out there in the wilderness, that the scripture says in chapter 40, verse 34, that the glory of God filled their tabernacle. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 11, Second Chronicles 7 and verse 1, also when uh, the Solomon completed the actual temple, says the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And that glory of God in that setting is what we call the Shekinah glory. Well, in essence, what Jesus did on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
he revealed the Shekinah glory. He became the embodiment of the glory of God. You know, in Exodus chapter 8, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, when Moses was getting instructions from the Lord, he said, who sends me? And the Lord said, I am that I am sends you. Well, then in John chapter 8 and verse 58, Jesus was talking to some guys. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And what Jesus was declaring to be was the very I am Jehovah God, the same one that appeared in the burning bush, the same one now that revealed the Shekinah glory to Peter, James, and John. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. So we meet the Supreme Savior who embodies the glory of God. You know, Peter, James, and John were what we call part of the inner circle of our Lord. They were there in Luke 8, 51, when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Uh, They were there here at the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there at, uh, later on we'll see, at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asked them to pray. And there's sort of a principle here. You know, you teach the multitudes, and Christ did that. Then he trained the leaders, that circle of 12, and and really uh, there was a few others involved that weren't the exact 12 disciples, but there was sort of a group of people that traveled with them. But you mentor just a few. And Jesus mentored Peter, James, and John. And so here he reveals his glory. And the scripture says his appearance and face was altered. And the word here is really the word we get today of metamorphosis. That's the idea. Think of a, a caterpillar that has, goes through the metamorphosis and becomes a butterfly. Jesus is sort of like pulling off this divine metamorphosis right in the presence of Peter, James, and John. His face was shining like the sun, the scripture says, and his clothes were so white that they glistened. In another text, it says, like no launderer could do. The idea is this is a supernatural metamorphosis. You know, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, the scripture says about Christ, in him dwells all the fullness of the deity, or all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Christ is the God-man who set aside certain Uh, godly characteristics, if you will, when he came to this earth, but it didn't mean he wasn't still God in human form. In fact, in theological terms, we call this the kenosis, where he set aside some things and identified with humanity. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of a man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In order to be crucified, Christ needed a human body. And so he laid aside the glory of God, took on human form, but he was still God in a body. And so in Luke's gospel, and also Matthew and Mark also record the same incident, he's pulling back the curtain and revealing the God-man. It's, it's almost like he's saying, guys, come with me. I want to show you something that you need to see. So we meet the supreme savior who embodies the glory of God. We also, in this passage of scripture, meet the supreme savior who embraced his mission of mercy. The Bible says that Elijah appeared on one side and Moses on the other, and they began to speak about the Lord's decease. 
and they were talking with him. Now, what's interesting is Moses represented the law of God or the first five books of the Old Testament. Elijah represents the prophets. But both of these guys, something special happened at their death. In fact, Elijah did not die in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11. Uh, a fiery chariot came down, and he was taken up in a whirlwind and just vanished into the heavens. Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 6, he was literally, he went up on a mountain, and he did pass away, but God buried him. And so what we also see here is what we call a picture of the rapture of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, here comes the rapture. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The idea is, one day the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are alive will meet the Lord in the air. And so you also have a picture of both of those groups. Moses was buried on the mountain. Now he's meeting the Lord there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah is like a picture of the rapture. He was never buried. He was supernaturally transported to heaven, and he's on the other side speaking to the Lord. And he's talking about their mission, which is the gospel, the mission of mercy, that undeserved favor. And then grace is the undeserved favor, and mercy is that undeserved pardon where God uh, does not give us what we do deserve, and grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. And so here they're talking about how Christ is going to die and raise again for our sins. You know, it's interesting to note, this literally is the greatest Bible conference in the history of humanity. And of course, Jesus is the centerpiece of this Bible conference. He's the subject, as he should be. And you have Moses and Elijah appearing, one on one side and one on the other, at this supernatural Bible conference. And what do you have going on? Three of the most dedicated disciples in the history of the world, Peter, James, and John, then inner circle at the greatest Bible conference in the history of humanity. And what do we find these guys doing? Sleeping during the conference. And they had to be awakened. So let me say to any of our friends out there that might be Bible teachers, maybe you're a pastor or priest and you're listening on the way to church this morning, hey, don't get discouraged. If somebody gets a little drowsy uh, during your message or during the Bible study, listen, If Peter, James, and John can fall asleep when Moses and Elijah are there at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Christ is glowing like crazy, if they can fall asleep in that, then anybody can fall asleep anytime, anywhere, during any message. So guys and ladies that might be teaching the word this morning, don't get discouraged. And let me also just give a word of encouragement. Make sure that what you do on Saturday night doesn't so disrupt you on Sunday that you have a hard time staying awake in church. So, you know, keep on keeping on all the Bible teachers out there. Let me also just say a couple things about heaven here. You know, this is a glimpse of heaven where Moses and Elijah appear with Christ, and they know each other, so I believe we're going to know one another in heaven. 
It's going to be Christ-centered worship and fellowship. And you know, when you go to a good Bible-preaching church that honors Christ, you can almost have like a taste of heaven each week. Well, we also meet the Supreme Savior who expects our undivided attention to his utmost authority. Peter gets excited. He says, hey, let's build three booths. And it's sort of uh, something out of the Old Testament uh, worship, the the Feast of the Tabernacles, where they'd kind of go out in the wilderness and and, uh, commemorate the wilderness wanderings and the deliverance uh, from Egypt. And they would sleep out in these wide open, have these little booths where they would worship. And that's probably on Peter's mind. He says, let's make one for Christ. Let's make one for Moses. Let's make one for Elijah. And God the Father steps in and says, hold the phone there, Peter. Listen up. Pay attention to Jesus Christ. And the idea is that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will share his glory with no one else. He is the unique Son of God. In fact, Hebrews 1.3 says he is the exact representation of the very nature of God. Revelation 1.8 calls him the Almighty. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is God in a body. And my friend, in Luke 9.23, he calls for surrender. And in Luke 9, 28 through 36, he, he basically reveals to these guys that he is worthy of worship and you can trust him when you surrender your life to him. So just think of it this way, my friend. Faith inspires our hope of heaven and ignites our love for the Lord on earth. My friend, Christ is giving the curtain call. He's drawing back the curtain and revealing his glory. And in the process, the Father speaks from heaven and says, in essence, listen to Jesus Christ. He is the one and only eternal Son of the living God. And my friend, he did embrace his mission of mercy. He went on and went to the cross, died and rose again for our sins, and gives the gift of eternal life to all who will trust in Christ and Christ alone. And my friend, if you've never invited Christ into your life, I would encourage you to take a moment, tell the Lord you believe he died and rose again for your sins, and then by faith, invite him into your life to be your personal savior. My friend, you make that prayer and that decision for the Lord. You'll be so glad you did when you stand before him. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace in your heart and power for living. Amen.